Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. We're back for our third season. This is the first episode. It's been a little while since we did an episode. We usually do one every week, but uh, we took a little break. <laughs> We've had an eventful couple months. Napa had a massive earthquake where Jacob is, and I, I was just looking for work and I'm moving and stuff like that. So, what? I said, I survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're doing the episodes now through Skype instead of both of us being in the same studio, considering we're like, what, 14 hours apart? I miss you. <laughs> oh, Billy. I can't, I can't eat my spaghetti and meatballs the same way or peanut butter and jelly. That's how we went together, man. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be doing Adventures of Gummy Bears. Um, Disney's first foray into uh, higher quality uh, weekly animation. And this would lead um, to other shows, but we'll, we'll go ahead and start the episode. The first episode is actually up on YouTube. Just type in episode one. And uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, basically what we do is we watch the episode while we chit-chat about it. So go ahead and hit play now, and here we go. All right, way to go. Now, are you watching this right now, or did you watch this right before we did? Oh, I watched this before we did. Okay. Yeah, oh. you do not I didn't realize the narrator is Lorenzo Music, who used to do Garfield's voice. Yeah, he is actually. I know, I was surprised too. I was like, oh crap, hey, that's Garfield. Which I actually thought was Bill Murray for years until I found out it was someone else. I know, but Bill Murray did a good job, although that movie was crap. Oh yeah, and he's even admitted to himself that it was garbage. I know, but again, it somehow got a sequel with Tim Curry. I don't know. I'd watch another. I think actually there's more than just one sequel. It's just I think the rest have gone straight to video. Oh, okay. And probably animated. I think they're all animated now. So does that technically count as a sequel? I don't think so. Speaking uh, of sequels... Bill Murray was in it and Tim Curry was in the sequel. That's when they were uh, in London. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've only ever seen the first one. I thought it was boring as hell. Even though I like like a lot of people involved. Breckin' Meyer is awesome. Um, so speaking of like movies like this, I always felt like, you know, the Smurfs were so popular during the 80s that it kind of had an influence on the Gummy Bears. I mean, they're not similar storylines, but the setting, the fact that they're set in like uh, mythological time, and they kind of have a slight feel of the Smurfs. Obviously, there's like a thousand Smurfs, whereas there's only like six Gummy Bears, right? Yeah. I do want to say like this character design, it seems like a kid-friendly version of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, definitely. Well, during the 80s, sword and sorcery and fantasy was just everywhere. Oh, gosh, yeah, and sci-fi. And I forget sci-fi. Yeah, well, I mean, it was just heavy because, you know, that's when Frazetta started building up because of the Conan covers he would do. Conan had a resurgence. Lord of the Rings started having a huge resurgence. They had that animated movie. And it was just cheaper for studios to go with animated oh, yeah. sword and sorcery than live action. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, Red Sonia was a disaster, and after that, Arnold refused to do any more. Right. Well, I mean, I, th- I think only the only successful, like, sword and sorcery movie, you know, critically and commercially, is Conan the Barbarian. I'm not even so sure about the, the critical part. Like, I think in hindsight, people love it now, but back then, I don't think they liked it. Yeah. 
But it's easier to sell to kids than. Oh yeah, for yeah for this cartoon, yeah, they needed to like kind of reintroduce that to kids. I mean, I honestly, I I liked it. I liked the sword and sorcery kind of setting. I kind of wish it would make a comeback. Yeah, I just needed someone right to do it. Do you remember Dragon's Lair? Yes, that's that's what I thought the uh, characters looked like in this too, and uh, the Sword in the Stone by Disney. Yeah, you know, it's funny is Disney was in really bad shape around the time of the show. All of their movies are bombing. I mean, I can't. I think Tron just broke even. That was about it. Black Hole tanked. Um, a lot of their live action movies, I can't even tell you right now because I don't even remember what the hell they are. That's how bad they were doing. Like Condor Man and Wind in the Willow. Not Wind in the Willows. Uh, Watching the Woods. Uh, their animated movies like uh, Black Cauldron is very, very expensive, but it tanked. Black, yeah, no, I liked Black Cauldron. That was awesome. Yeah, it just at the time, it did not make any money. I think now it's well liked, but it's probably not one of their strongest features. Um, what's the one with the, 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 the cat and the fox, or the dog and the fox? Fox and the Hound, yeah, Fox and the Hound. Um, that one I think did okay, but that was like in 1981. I think that was their last successful movie for years. So they started doing more focus on TV. They started doing this cartoon and doing all those like uh, TV movies. Did you ever watch any of those? Like Mr. Oogity Boogity or Boogity Man or something like that? Brat Patrol or Sean Astin? You're probably too young for those. Maybe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure. But I do want to say, as far as it goes for animated... Little Mermaid was their big hit in 89. Yeah, but that was a big gap. I think, uh, you know what, Oliver and Company did okay, but it was Little Mermaid that really brought things back. But I think it was Gummy Bears, the success of the show, that really opened a lot of doorways, because that's when they started doing DuckTales. And, um... And, and uh, Chip and Dale. Yeah, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, one of my favorite ones. Yeah, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck. I feel like there's something else in the mix there. Yeah, I was actually, when I was, um... When I was uh, looking around for movies, I actually found them in the kids section. DuckTales, Tailspin, and Chippendale. I'm like, holy crap, dude, these are the cartoons I grew up with. I gotta show these to all the other kids. I gotta show this to my friend's kid. He has to know these cartoons. Yeah, Gummy Bears have been kind of forgotten, though. A lot of those, you know, everybody remembers these theme songs, they watch them, but I don't know a lot of people who talk about Gummy Bears now. Yeah, but, I mean, knowing the title Gummy Bears, I'm like, okay, is this about... Uh, is he going to play in, like, some kind of Candyland environment? Yeah, I know. It's weird that it even came Why from that. Not be eaten? <laughs> um, no, what it said was is Michael Eisner was inspired um, by just the candy itself. His kid had got some gummy bears and decided to turn into a cartoon. So, I don't know. Is gummy bears a trademarked name by Disney now? I don't know. I don't think they own the uh, actual candy trademark. I it, think whoever owns like Mars or one of the big candy companies still does. Yeah, I but wonder if they just license the rights or what. You know, it seems like they were trying to do something with a, a sword sorcery idea, but they think they need, but there was probably lacking a child element, and so they decided to add gummy bears. But they're not made of gummies. They do have juice, which they consume. Which, which is basically I, like their little crack. Like, oh, I'm on speed. Let's go. I'm bouncing. I'm bouncing, man. I'm bouncing. Is there a Monsanto label on it? Is there a Monsanto label on it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's in this juice. These bears are junkies, man. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, also, and I think pretty soon, you know, it's like you, uh, the gummy bears, you know, they're like an ancient race and nobody really knows of them anymore. And they've stayed kind of hidden. Almost like, oh gosh, what was another movie like that? Wait, wait. Are you telling me that Gummy Bears is set in modern times? Because I don't think that's true. No, not modern times, but ancient times. But it's like ancient times. But even before them, there were ancients. Oh, okay. Kind of like uh, Knights of the Old Republic. You know, there's Jedi way before even the first Jedi and stuff like that. It's like 
re- it go- there's like really a lot of depth to it. And also, pretty soon you're going to see like this magic book. Uh, oh wait, dummy book. I don't know. I haven't watched this since I was a little kid, so I'm just actually just a refresher for you. Maybe I should have watched this before we talked about it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Give me my speed. You know, that yeah. kid reminds me of Johan and Pee Wee. Do you remember Smarts when they had Johan and Pee Wee? Not a lot of people remember that. It was right in the beginning. Johan, Pee Wee. Johan was a tall, brown haired guy, and he was the more serious one, and Pee Wee's a little blonde kid. He was like a screw up. I'm assuming they're kids. They look like kids. It's been a while since I've watched Smurfs. Oh, okay. I only remember Ditsy and, uh, you know, Smurfette and Papa Smurf and. Pretty much whoever's the, in the movie. The smart Smurf, the one with the glasses. Brainy? Bra- yeah, Brainy. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. This was on a lot longer than I thought, and I think it's actually probably the longest of the bunch, because I don't even think DuckTales lasts this long, but this is a six, six seasons. Wow, that's gotta be. Well, you know, honestly, uh, you know, it's funny. Like for the gummy bears, uh, all they're able to do is just bounce around. They don't have super strength or magic or shoot leaders just out of their eyes. They charm. No, but no. When a human drinks it, then it's like steroids, but it only lasts for a minute. Oh, really? I didn't know they ever drank it. Oh man, that makes me want to drink some right now. Yeah, gummy bear juice. I'm trying to remember. I was trying to look it up online. I could swore they actually had gummy bear juice like in the stores. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd be crack for kids. Oh, gosh. They'd be going crazy for it. It's like, I want gummy bear juice. It's going to make me strong. No, it's funny. It's probably got high fructose corn syrup. Don't probably. That's shit. why you're boosting. <laughs> you know, I was looking this up, and I forgot about this. At the time, Disney was trying to, you know, go into television. This was a success, but they had another show called The Wuzzles. You've probably never heard of it. It's where they combine different animals into one, like it was a butterfly bear or a bee bear or something like that. My sister had like one of the toys, but uh, I don't. They weren't very popular. The show only lasted like thirteen episodes. It sounds ex- extremely familiar. I'll have to look it up. I might remember. Was it? Yes. Yeah, with gummy bears. Yeah, they lasted. I wonder. I want to look up how long Ducktales lasted because um, this seems like a really long time. Ninety-four episodes. Back then, they would do that many episodes, but like in two years, like what they did with uh, GI Joe and Transformers. Mm-hmm. Right, and I thought for me, DuckTales was much more memorable, mainly because of Scrooge. Yeah, you Scrooge McDuck. You got an angry, reach, greedy Scotsman. Yeah, it looks like DuckTales only lasted four seasons. A hundred episodes, though. Oh, wow. Very nice. And they had that movie. Oh, yeah, the one where they find the genie in the lamp, and it's Christopher Lloyd the villain. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the voice of the villain that was trying to find the genie. Huh. Um, I was looking up the cast, and not all these people are household names unless you really know animation, but like June Foray, she was legendary for doing all like the Warner Brothers voices. Um, she did Tweety Bird and Grandma and stuff like that. Um, Lorenzo Music, of course, did Garfield. Rob Paulson, who is known for all the characters he did on Animaniacs. Corey Burton sounds really familiar, and Jim Cumming, I have to look them up because I know these names. David Faustino from Married with Children actually did the voice of the youngest one. Oh, wow. Look. Corey Burton, I know this voice. I think we discussed this like in a show we did earlier. Yeah, Corey Burton, I think, has also been in a few games I've played. All right, let's look this up. Um, Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, Quint, I don't know. I have this. All right, now this name. Oh, uh, he did Shockwave and Spike and the Transformers the movie, and then he did GI Joe the movie. He did the voice of Tomax. 
It looks like it's about it. I mean, that's why we know his name. I thought it was. I thought we knew him from something much more uh, common. Yeah. You know, honestly, you know how, like, in uh, certain movies and characters or certain situations, there's always that one conservative douchebag in the bunch. Well, I think it's that little gummy bear with the green hood. What do you mean, conservative, like, Republican or just kind of scared of everything? Pretty much just scared of everything and just saying, like, no, we can't mingle. We're going to hide like we have, you know, from everybody else. Is that you? Just honking? How do you survive? That kind of thing. That kind of guy. Basically, the one who like gets bitten by a zombie and doesn't tell you. Ah. <laughs> Thanks. It's always a jerk that does that. Yeah, clinging on to the old ways. Now, you're pro- you were you too young to see this one originally aired, or did you see it in reruns? Well, I would see it as a little kid. I think early mornings before kindergarten. Okay. Yeah, they aired this. What year were you born? Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Okay. Um, I think it ended in ninety-one. It was part of a Disney animation block where they would take all the syndicated shows they did and Saturday morning shows and put them together like that. Darky Dunk, uh, Ducktales. Oh yeah, we have that available. Yeah, that's also available at the uh, store I went to. Where'd you go? At work. Oh, <laughs> even at work. Okay, that's what you can't talk about it. Now, at least until the end of the day, when you are done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Today's my last day. You realize from now on you can tell your retail hell stories without neutering the story. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we do a news segment where we do this thing called Retail Hell where we tell like these absurd stories while helping people at work. And numerous times he's had to stop himself while doing the story because we can't say exactly where it's at. Now you're free. Yes, exactly. But the thing is, we they close at 11 now instead of 10 o'clock. Yeah, I heard. That's weird. They're wasting a lot of money. And your store is like dead as a doornail anyway, so I don't understand the point. Oh, yeah, no. At 10 o'clock, it's like when we're really busy. Everybody comes and buys things. And at 11 o'clock, we get one or two customers within the entire hour. <laughs> Ridiculous. But, but we catch up and clean everything else. I mean, it for Napa, it wasn't a smart move. But anyway. Yeah, I guess we're getting a little off stuff. We'll talk about this some other time, but um, we should probably do our show again. But right now, uh, Back in Tunes is the one that's probably the most popular. That's why we like to do this. People love to talk about cartoons. I love nostalgia. Sometimes it's a tricky little uh, bastard because um, what you think was amazing as a kid, you go back and revisit, and you're like, oh, what was I thinking? That doesn't... Oh, uh, this sucks. Yeah, it does. But Gummy Bears is still really high quality, and the storyline, the voice work, everything. I mean, of course, it's Disney, and they're not going to skimp. They could have. They could have phoned it in, but they didn't. They were, like, number one in animation. I can't remember. It seems like, you know, they were doing a lot of stories that were very original. Gummy Bears, DuckTales, of course, was based on Donald Duck's family. But, you know, I think, I want to say after Darkwing Duck, things got a little bit questionable. I don't remember anything they did after Darkwing Duck. That wasn't based on a movie already. No, I can't think of anything either. At least nothing that really like, clicked in. Nowadays, it's like Disney XD, and they've got Spider-Man, and well, now that they own Marvel, yeah, oh, they're yeah. allowed to do those. Let me look up. See what Walt Disney Television Animation has done. Hmm. Yeah, course, like this I said, is during the... like the after... What? Nothing original, right? Um, see, Gummy Bears was the first one. That went from eighty-five to ninety. Ducktales eighty-seven to ninety. Wait, Chippendale Rescue Rangers is only on for one year? Well, that can't be right. I feel like it was on forever. 
Me too. Tailspin, one year. Darkwing Duck, one year. Goof Troop, one year. Bonkers, same thing. Oh yeah, Bonkers. You remember Bonkers? Bonkers, oh my gosh. I had the video game for Sega. Do you know that was actually supposed to be a Who Framed Roger Rabbit cartoon? And they had to change it because they could get the light, the rights to the book again. Right. Um, then after that, it's, it's all like, oh no, Gargoyles. Gargoyles is original, and that lasted for a while. Yeah, Gargoyles is fantastic. Oh gosh, Goliath was my favorite. I had like that one action figure where he would just come alive and just break out of the statues. It was just that was awesome. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa. This one I never heard of. The Snookums and Meat Funny Cartoon Show. What the hell is that? Quack. I remember Quack Pack, the Mighty sounds like, Ducks. Wait, sounds like you know it's it it Snookums is uh belongs to an old lady, yeah, and he just gets all sorts of shenanigans. Um, oh, you know what? I forgot. There was a new Adventures of Winnie the Pooh that was on for three years. Now that wasn't based on an original idea, but I remember that being really good. Oh yeah, well with Winnie the Pooh, of course people are gonna watch that. But yeah, they're kind of they weren't doing that much. I guess they just focused on the movies. But Gummy Bears definitely gave them a foot in. If it hadn't been for Little Mermaid, Disney wouldn't even be able to do anything right now. I really don't think so because they were dying badly and they had nothing. And you know they wouldn't have Marvel now. They wouldn't have Star Wars. And it's all based around the fact that this and Little Mermaid hit. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, not to mention Aladdin. Oh, may Robin Williams rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. That was I probably. That was quite a bit more successful than Little Mermaid. It was uh, Lion King's their most successful animated movie, I think, up until Frozen oh, just yeah. came out. Lion King, I think, was the biggest one. But Little Mermaid definitely was like, oh, we need to take notice of Disney again. They're not screwing around. Because I remember, if I remember correctly, Universal and Don Bluth started making waves because they did Land Before Time, American Tale, stuff like that. And that was, yeah. That was actually produced by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Right. Oh, you know what? I just remembered there was a Disney movie right after Gummy Bears that was really good. I don't think it made a lot of money, but it was um, it was the mouse one where it's he's like a detective. He's Great Mouse a, Detective. Is it called the Great Mouse Detective? Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, and Rodney McDowell, so good as a voice. Oh. And then there was Rescuers Down Under, the sequel to Rescuers. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Born a kid. Yeah, I'm trying, no, I'm trying I to think look. That, you know, honestly, I think. Plus, it had John Candy, too, so I thought that was one of the things that made it, like, take off. Really? I had, I don't remember John Candy doing voice work for that movie. Yeah, he was uh, the albatross. He was the giant uh, bird that would fly them around. Oh, I thought that was Dom DeLuise. But I think I'm thinking of um, The Secret of Nim. Didn't, didn't... The Secret of Nim, and there's also All Dogs Go to Heaven, who he starred in both. Same director, too, Don Bluth. Oh, wow. All right, so I'm sitting here looking at the um, the guys who wrote the theme song um, for Gummy Bears because it's so catchy. Silvershire and Silvershire. That's not an easy thing to say. Michael Silvershire and Patty Silvershire were a songwriting team. They were married at the time, of course. They did Gummy Bears, which is their most significant work uh, around that time. Then they did Tailspin, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, The Return of Jafar. They did a lot of direct video songs. Pretty much all the cartoons we just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do the DuckTales song, huh? Oh, no, DuckTales. Oh, gosh. Honestly, I still Woo! play that game. What's that? I still play that game. I even got the uh, HD remake on my... Uh, yeah, I know. I heard that. It was amazing. I don't... They didn't make a Gummy Bears game, did they? No, which I kind of... I'm kind of surprised they didn't. Disney was really good at making video games back then, and I remember the Rescue Rangers game. I played that one a lot. 
And the DuckTales one I remember, but I don't think I really played it. But yeah, it seems like they should... This looks ripe for a video game. I say ripe just as berries are splashing all over the screen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I like, you know, with this cartoon, like, at the beginning, you know, that one kid who befriends the gummy bears? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, you know, a young page, you know, who wants better things for himself. You know, kind of a character that they, you know, that, you know, somebody that that's relatable. Kind of like with, the, you know, how Star Wars was with, um, you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, someone who wants bigger and better things. Here's the weird thing is I didn't relate. I never related to Luke Skywalker. I always related to Han Solo. He was the guy looking at this bizarre crap going, what? Are you kidding? It was, you know, Luke Skywalker is kind of whiner now. Yeah, but now, now he's a Jedi master. Master. Yeah, and now, you know, honestly, I'm pretty excited to see what they'll do with the new one. I mean, J.J. Abrams, is, I don't think he's going to fuck it up. Even Kevin Smith said that. <sighs> Kevin Smith is like one of the biggest Star Wars nerds out there, along with J.J. Abrams. Hey, do you think with 80s nostalgia and full blast and, uh, you know, adapting all these cartoons into movies, do you think Gummy Bears would be adapted? Or is it too ridiculous an idea? Gummy Bears just seems kind of hard to sell. DuckTales, you could do a CGI remake, but I don't know if you could do this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as far as it goes, maybe if enough people remembered it, or, you know, because lately, you know, they've always been pushing, like, Gummy Bears, uh, you know, advertisements, trying to get it out there again. So I think maybe then, after a few more advertisements, they'll come out with the movie, and they'll have, you know, those... I mean, I don't think they'll put, as long as Michael Bay doesn't have his hand in it. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> they need someone who actually loves movies instead of, like, wants to make money. That's the problem. I think a lot of people who are making movies now just want to get the, the you know, the money back, what they spent. Yeah, that's part of the business part. You're the creative side. Stop going for the, you know, the money. Go for the fact that you love movies. Don't aim for sales. Aim for story. Exactly. I mean, honestly, that's all uh, Michael Bay did with the latest trend. Ninja Turtles movie, which I will give a review later on. Ugh. I don't even want to think about it. Look, they look, they don't look like Ninja Turtles. They look like just freak shows. Well, they well they at least served pizza in the theater where I went to. No kidding, that's perfect. Kidding, I but I had to eat pizza while I watched it, and I got it. It was at one of the early shows, so I only spent like six bucks instead of like eleven. Well, at least that takes some of the edge off. Yeah, it did. Um, I should I mean, probably say, this episode's almost over. I should say, this show actually got canceled by NBC after its fourth season. NB, uh, Disney refused to cut its budget. They wanted to keep the quality the same, but the ratings had dipped a little bit. So NBC decided they weren't if they weren't going to negotiate on the budget price, they weren't going to pay them anymore. So they took it over to ABC, which is funny because Disney would eventually own ABC. Um, they took Gee. it over... Yeah, they took it over to ABC for two seasons, kept it going, and then they decided to do another season at the end, 1990-91, as part of their animation block, which is probably what you saw growing up. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I mean, I would see it on, like, the Disney Toon Channel, where they would show all those old cartoons. And I gotta say, it was definitely one of the most fantastic ones, because, you know, like I said, you know, Medieval Times, Knights and Armor, Trolls, freaking Trolls. The Trolls are cool. I like those. Yeah, they are. Good villains. They do look. They do look very dumbfounded, though. They, do, they <laughs> are. They do look like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Nowadays, trolls just look like anybody, especially on the internet. <laughs> uh, it took me a second to catch you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
anybody that does troll on the internet, I look at them and I'm thinking, oh, you warded, freaky, you know, buck tooth, pimply, fucking green skinned, ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> All they need is some gummy bear juice. And I'm sure they'll be happy. It's like, you're not you, you're not you when you're hungry. Yeah, the, you'll be bouncing. You'll feel a lot better. I'm actually curious. I'm looking at the credits here, and I want to see if this is all in America, or are they sent any of this overseas. So far, I've seen yeah, well, all American names. Yeah, well, I thought like some of the animation parts, especially like the little roller coasters, with how they'd get around. Uh huh. I thought those were, that that kind of reminded me of something from uh, Finding Nemo. So I thought it might have been uh, it had something to do with the uh, at least overseas animation. You never know. I didn't recognize any of the names in the animation, but you never know if someone else here went on to have more control. I should look that up. See if they did any movies or anything like that. All right. Um, so that's it. That's the end of the episode. I am Michael. I guess I have I don't have any final words. Do you? Um, I really kind of hope they bring something like this back. Or at least just the whole genre of sword and, uh, sorcery comes back. Yeah, it seems... I'm trying to even think. It seems like all the cartoons are purely focused on modern times. There's something really magical about that setting. And of course, there's so many cartoons in the 80s that were set during this time period. And I think that's significant for a lot of us who grew up around that time. Yeah. I just, I just hope to see another sword and sorcery movie. I mean, yeah, we've got The Hobbit, but that's the last movie is about to appear in December. Yeah, that, and they're really long, and I'm sorry, I think The Hobbit's boring compared to Lord of the Rings. I'd rather watch something else. And that, and, oh, here's the thing. Make a sword and sorcery movie that doesn't suck. That's a very short list. That's like trying to find a werewolf movie that doesn't blow. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, there's American Werewolf in London. There was, uh, oh gosh, The Howling. Yeah, The Howling. By Dave, Dave Cronenberg, right? No, that's Joe Dante. Which one did Dave Cronenberg do? He did one with uh, a porn star, uh, Marilyn Chambers. Yeah, he, it was Shivers. He did uh, The Fly. He did Scanners, uh, Dead Zone, stuff like that. And then he started going off oh, with the, the other brood. Stuff. The Brood. The Brood. Oh, yeah. What yeah, about yeah. the Dwarves? I was like, oh, Jesus, that was creepy. <laughs> so freaking creepy. All right, you want to wrap? What? But yeah, um, anyway. Back to one of my final words. Yeah, I want Sword and Sorcery to come back, and it, it, this is a great way to introduce it to kids. At least, to um, at least have something to relate that they grew up eating, like some kind of some kind of franchise. We should I mean, do that. We should do we should do Dungeons and Dragons next, and then maybe a Smurfs episode. And I'll try to find other stuff like Dragons Lair. We'll just try to find video game or uh, Sword and Sorcery oriented cartoons. Oh, oh, also do Peter Pan and the Pirates. I think that that'd be that's yeah, an I've awesome. I've never heard of that one, so we should watch that. Yeah, it's Fox's Peter Pan of the Pirates. Okay. Tim Curry, uh, Captain Hook. Nice. So yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. Hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoyed watching it, and I hope you feel the same way. I hope you feel that Sword and Sorcery comes back. All right. This is Michael signing off. Jacob. This is Jacoby Kenobi. Ta-ta. Don't forget to drink your gummy berry juice. Make sure it's not labeled or has anything to do with Monsanto. <laughs> like, make sure it is labeled. Make sure you know what's in it. What the hell am I saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, too much juice, man. All right, everybody, good night.
Welcome, everybody, to Back in Tunes. I'm Michael, your host, and with me is... Mr. Ron Millington. And we're going to be watching Tailspin. Uh, all month long, we're going to be picking Disney cartoons. The first one was Aladdin. This one's Tailspin. Hopefully, we're going to try to get Gargoyles up, maybe Darkwing Duck. And that'll finish out the month. I don't want to overload it for November, because <laughs> people got holidays to deal with. What? 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 What are you wedding? According to all the stores, there's no holidays until Christmas. No. Anyway, yeah. go on. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, this one's a little bit unusual. We're not going to start with the first episode because the first episode is a movie length, and frankly, I don't. None of us have the patience or the time to sit through the whole thing right now. Yeah. So, if you do like the series, uh, we're just going to pick a random episode. If you like it, pick it up. The, the series is really cheap. I think you get the first uh, thirty episodes for like ten bucks on Amazon. So here we go. The first episode's on YouTube. It is called Stormy Weather. And yes, we know that for some reason, every single... There's like four different postings of this episode. And each one has like a weird frame around it. And I don't know why. But it's, it's free, okay. so we shouldn't complain. And here we go. You know what's funny? is I remember watching this. And at no point did I know this was a spinoff of Jungle Book. I feel really I... stupid now looking back on it. I know something you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, for a while, I, 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 my memory is starting to go. For some reason, I thought Launchpad McQuack was part of this series. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, my brain is going a little bit. I noticed this is one of the first of the series of you know the Disney cartoons that was uh, completely syndicated 65-episode strips. Like, DuckTales was a lot smaller order, and, you know, uh, uh, same thing for Rescue Rangers. They were all syndicated uh, in right. the beginning, but they weren't that many episodes in a season. And I think the animation suffers a little bit in Tailspin. You can see that it was outsourced to other companies instead of being completely in-house. Right. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't notice. It's so obvious now while watching the episode, because I was watching a couple last night, and I go, Duh! Right there, are, those are all the characters from the movie, yet for some reason I never connected when I was a kid. <laughs> I probably knew it because it's probably when I saw the movie. Yeah, you know what? It's funny is I still don't believe I've seen the movie. Well, I've seen the live-action movie, but I've never seen the original animated one. There's a live-action Jungle Book? Yeah, you remember? 1994, uh, Jason Scott Lee, Carrie Elwes, John Cleese. I don't remember that. It was a big hit. No? Really? No. Oh. Was... We'll have to look that one up. Here's the thing is that instead of going and seeing that movie, we decided to go see Street Fighter with Van Damme. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And regretting it afterwards because we're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I on. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, video game movies are rough, man. Yes, they are. Yeah, so this is only on for one year. I really thought it was on for really? years. Yeah, one year, 65 episodes. It probably is just because there's so many episodes and that it right. was aired as part of that Disney tune block. That it seemed right. like it was numerous seasons. Because that's way more cartoons than a lot of people can uh, comprehend. Most of the shows that were syndicated like that uh, were only on for a few years. I think the I mean, G.I. Joe and Transformers were only on for like three years. It felt like they were on forever. When you're a kid, no sense of time. Unless it's the well, end of the... summer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if it's that last month of summer, you just count. Oh, God, only 20 more days. Oh, no, 18. What are we going to do? My life is over. And then you just spend it all watching cartoons anyway. So <laughs> That's right. So this was the third in the run of, no, the fourth in the run of the Disney revival. First was Gummy Bears, which we did a couple months ago. Uh DuckTales, which I really want to do soon. Yes. Rescue Rangers, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and then Tailspin. Somewhere in there is 
Somewhere in there is Bonkers and Goof Troop, but I can't remember where. <laughs> See, and those are two more. I'll, I know I've probably said this before, but I don't know where I ever found time to go outside. No, I swear I watched every cartoon too, and uh, <laughs> I. Uh, but I remember playing outside all the time. But it's because we, we didn't have a lot of homework and we didn't have uh, work. You know, we didn't have to clock in and clock out. Right. So, I mean, say we watched two hours of TV, that seemed like a lot, and then we had like eight hours to run around outside. <laughs> and that was back when we could run around outside until, you know, nine o'clock at night. And, and have toy guns that look real. That's right. <laughs> How are we not all shot? I look no back kidding. at some of that stuff, I go, that was a real-size plastic AK-47 that we were running around the woods with. <laughs> Stunning. Yeah, I mean, the animation still is ten times better than pretty much anything else on television, but I do notice, especially since the last two episodes I watched, that the quality just isn't as high. Mm. And this is also, I think, the last of the um, the cartoons that weren't spun off from a movie. That they're off, like, well, okay, off of a current movie. Like, the Goof Troop came out of the Goofy movie. Aladdin came out of Aladdin. You know, it was all within a year or two period between the movie. This was a good 30 years, I think, between the movie and the series. Which tells you that the movies that they originally made, they lasted a lot longer back then. They just kept re-releasing them over and over. Right. They don't do that anymore. I remember, though, that they used to release, like, Pinocchio, like, every four or five years and stuff like that. And you just go in theaters, and Disney would just rake in the cash. Because a new generation of kids would discover it. And with the digital digital age, the whole vault thing is kind of moot. Yeah. Well, no, they still put them on DVD and Blu-ray and take them in and out of the vault and torture people all the time. Yeah. I hated it when I worked retail and they'd come in like, do you have Little Mermaid? I was like, it literally went back into, it went back into the vault two weeks ago. And like, no! <laughs> they want to buy it on Amazon and be from a used seller and be like 60 bucks. It's such a ripoff. Right. I don't want to see how that benefits Disney in any way. Just always keep it perpetually for sale. It's like, my son is into Transformers Rescue Bots. And the freaking toy collectors are really ticking me off because I can't find a single Optimus Prime or a Bumblebee or any of these others for less than 20 bucks. Of course, the popular characters, the ones that... You know, yeah. these guys come into stores and they dig through and they pick uh -huh. all the popular toys and leave you with all the junk. Right. Well, I'm looking for the transforming one. Yeah. I did find, you know, just a posable figure for him, but that was seven bucks, but it's not the same. No. It wasn't like that when we were kids. You could literally, no. I mean, you could just pick up pretty much anything. I think the only hard toy you ever defined was the G.I. Joe characters. Like, it was hard to find Storm Shadow. It was hard to find a Snake Eyes. Right. But everything else is easy. You know, I, you know, it's funny thing is, looking at all these Disney cartoons, I really don't remember much merchandising until Gargoyles came out. Do you remember toys for any of these cartoons? Uh, I don't know about Tailspin. Honestly, not any of them, to be honest. I had... Gargoyles, I remember seeing, but vaguely. Yeah, they didn't seem like they were up on the merch stuff back then. Now they're like crazy. Everything gets licensed to death. But back then, and everything had a video game, but other yeah. than that, yeah. And speaking happy of happy ones, they always said, "No, no, man, come on, tell me, Rescue Rangers and Ducktales weren't awesome games." I don't know okay, about the rest. Ducktales was fun, but um, yeah, there were three games of Tailspin: uh, one for the NES, one for Game Boy, and one for the Sega Genesis. Oh, wow, and even one for the TurboGrafx-16. I didn't know that. <laughs> Someone is actually developing a PC version of the game right now. Isn't that a little bit late to the game? DuckTales? <laughs> no, for Tailspin. Tailspin. Yeah, I'm looking at this up on Wikipedia, and it says that it's a point-and-shoot adventure game, and that it's being developed now. 
I didn't even think there was much of a following for this show right now. That's kind of strange. Someone to take their time. But, you know, that's kind of the homebrew homebrew uh, developers. They'll get games going that no one really cares about. It's like a small, small, small niche audience. <laughs> wow. I just rented a uh, Fast and Furious game today and immediately returned it within about an hour. So that's how bad they are. Ugh. Movie games are these days. It's just... Well, they were bad back then, too, man. If you watch yeah. uh, Angry Video Game Nerd, I would say 50% of his episodes are based around games <laughs> yes. on movies. That Back to the Future game angered me so much. In fact, I think DuckTales was the first game to be licensed that wasn't terrible. Uh, the Batman games are good, though. The current Batman games are great. Yes, those are great. But, um, I don't know. They're like the exception to the norm, it seems. It seems like any race game that's based on any sort of car movie has been a piece of crap. Oh, yeah, definitely. Frustratingly so. <laughs> and besides the video games for this show... Sorry, I'm trying to get back on topic a little bit. <laughs> what? Um, I know. We always segue. We, we should call the show Segway instead. We should. <laughs> um, so besides the games, which I'm surprised I can't believe there were so many versions of it, there was also a comic book series from Disney Comics, no big surprise, but it only right. lasted like five or six episodes or issues. And I guess they relaunched it later, but still was unsuccessful. This, I, I know there's a following for this show, but this is definitely not one that people still talk about with like a lot of passion. Which is one of the few Disney cartoons that people don't. This and Bonkers are probably the two that are most forgotten. Right. And Bonkers, of course, was based on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but for some reason they couldn't negotiate deals with Universal, so they ended up just changing the name and the characters. Same plot. I love Bonkers. Yeah, I haven't seen that one before. I don't think I've seen Bonkers before. I think you'd know it if you saw it. Yeah, so it looks like I was right. Uh, considering how much pressure they had to finish all these episodes in one season, especially since they had two other shows going at the same time, they had a, literally a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine companies overseas uh, working on the animation for this. Nice. Now, I always thought, now I have nothing against foreign animation, but when it comes to directing something in house, everybody's together, they're all on the same page. I mean, yes. you got you got one director in LA, and you know you got the main animator maybe there as well. But then you're you're telling the story to another country that English is in their predominant language, and they have to interpret it the way they they believe it's the same meaning <laughs> and tone. And sometimes it just doesn't come across. Right now, uh, even though this was a lot of this was uh, like over in um, like Japan, it doesn't look as low budget. And that sounds like an insult, but if you look at a lot of the 80s cartoons that were shot overseas or, or drawn overseas, uh -huh. you can kind of see there's like a weird shadowy effect. I don't know what it is, like a blurry. If you watch like G.I. Joe or especially like the Dennis the Menace Heathcliff cartoons, there's a weird yes. blurriness effect. And I almost thought, it was, I, I really don't understand how they created it that way. If they were using, you know how it's so many frames per second with animation? The lower right. frames, you know, it saves cost. I wonder if they found a way to make it lower, like eight frames per second, and then ram it, it out. Yeah, smooth it out, but that's why it has a slight blur effect. I think that's probably it. Oh, I didn't know this. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Over in uh, Europe, they have all 65 episodes available on Netflix. <laughs> we get screwed. <laughs> we have YouTube. We always get screwed. Oh, wow. They're saying here that, well, it's all Disney, so that makes sense, I guess. You were talking about Launchpad making a, an appearance in this one. Right. Did he ever show up? It's kind up? of the other way around. Oh, so they showed in up in... In a way. Actually, not really. Just their logo. <laughs> oh, so the characters never showed here, up. 
In the episode Flim Flam, the front of Darkwing Duck's uniform is ripped open, revealing the Tailspin logo on the shirt he wears underneath. <laughs> you know, you would think that they would somehow find a way to cross them, because, you know, Launchpad being a pilot, mm-hmm. and Tailspin being about flying, you'd think that he would have showed up in an episode maybe like racing against each other. I would have loved it. Yeah, I don't know why they blew that opportunity. That's all what that's all the worlds are about now is like this synergy universe kind of thing. Like if Disney uh-huh. was to relaunch all these cartoons, you know it'd all be like um, you know, just one universe. Like Stephen King's all of Stephen King's books tie in one way or another. They're almost <laughs> always set in the same state. Yeah. Um what was I think uh or do you remember the old Scooby Doo cartoon, Animal Olympics? Not Animal Olympics, uh Scooby Doo Olympics. Scooby Doo, yeah. Laugh Olympics. I got it wrong. Laugh Olympics, where everybody from that Hanna-Barbera world got together and competed against each other. Yes. Okay, so it looks like I was wrong. The complete series is not available yet. The third and final season is a Disney exclusive, so it's not in stores. But it says January 2015, it'll be exclusive in Walmart. So it'll be on the yes. shelves there and Canada. Well, see, every season? Um, you know what? I'm lying. Why don't I read this before I say it out loud? Okay. <laughs> Tailspin Volume 3. Includes one episode called Flying Dupes, which is controversial and has never been re-aired. That is included in the final volume. It is available on the Disney Movie Club store, which I don't suggest you join because it's a massively expensive ripoff. Uh, You you know, it's one of those where you have to buy, oh, you get one free and then you have to buy six more. And uh, so it says, Tailspin Volume 3 has now been set for wide release January 2015 in Walmart, but in Canada. And it says in the United States it was released on October 14th, so it should be on shelves now at Walmart. Sweet. If you lived anywhere near Walmart. I live in the middle of nowhere. I have a Fred Myers. You've probably never heard of Fred Myers. Well, you have Doesn't Myers. Like what? Yeah, you have Doesn't Myers like there. but that's Yeah, we have good. Myers. Nah, it's a pretty good store. It's just, it's like an Oregon-only thing. There's a Fred Myers in Fort Wayne, but he sold grandfather clocks and pianos. Wow. Oh. Huh. It's funny, the, just... the difference between there and here is that the major difference is that Carl's Jr. and Hardy's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time I mention Hardy to someone, I have to correct myself. Go, oh, I'm sorry, Carl Jr. <laughs> uh, so the creator of this, Jim Magon, uh, he co-created a bunch of different shows with. I just had it here with Mark Zasloff, and they they worked on you know all the classic ones, you know Gummy Bears, Ducktales, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop, Quack Pack, The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, I had to take a breather there. And then he worked on Archie's Weird Mysteries and Casper Meets Wendy later after he left Disney. And apparently he's connected to one of the worst movies ever made, Titanic, The Legend Goes On. What? I don't know what this is. It's an animated movie about the Titanic. Well, Yeah, it's an Italian movie from 2000. Ugh, it looks horrible. Why do I want to see... that that one was sunk. <laughs> and it has talking animals in it, of course, which makes it completely appropriate. Humans and... <laughs> animals nice because as you know you want to see tragedy and animal death at the same time oh my gosh yeah it's a terrible idea so uh this series won uh primetime emmy award for outstanding animated program that's a am a man animated man animated i laminated it you say it enough you can really screw it up so i'm guessing that titanic show was released probably around 97 uh 2000 2000 so still riding on the winds yeah, I don't or know. waves, I guess. Oh, yeah. man, dude, your puns are killing me today. <laughs> All right, so the main hey, the main animator slash director of this, Larry Latham, 
Uh, of course, he did the same cycle of those Disney cartoons, but he also worked on classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons, Super Friends, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, The Smurfs. Yes. Uh, and then he went over to Marvel Productions where he worked on My Little Pony and The Amazing Spider-Man and His Friends. Nice. I want to do that one. I loved watching that one with Iceman and Firestar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1996, after he left Disney, he went over to one of our favorite cartoons that we watched every morning. Do you remember this in college? Spoon! <laughs> the Tick. It worked on The Tick. Awesome. This guy bounced around a lot. A lot of animators usually do the same thing over and over. But he went over to Universal Studios after that, and he directed the two direct-to-video American Tale movies. Do you remember those? I, I remember seeing them, but they're not as good as, of course, the first two. Like, Five Goes West is, like, the best one, in my opinion. I've seen the last two. They, I don't remember them. That's how memorable those were. Or memorable those were. And second, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The first two were awesome. I like the second one. But... Oh, this is depressing. He died four days ago. Oh. Five days ago. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, he was working on the H.P. Lovecraft comic, Lovecraft comic book called Lovecraft is Missing. Mm-hmm. And he finished it just days before. Wow, he just finished it days before his death. At least he got to finish it. Right. You would hate for someone else to hop in. Well, I guess you wouldn't hate it because you're not sure. I don't even know if you would even notice if you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and the other main director of the show... Uh, he was also a primetime Emmy Award-winning animator, director, producer, and uh, writer. He did The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat, which is the horrible sequel to the controversial X-rated. It's like the first X-rated cartoon. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, you've never heard of Fritz the Cat? Fritz the Cat. Yeah, it was a massive success like 1971. I don't yeah. remember it. Okay, well, the guy that did Heavy Metal and... Uh, not Heavy Metal. Ah, good God. <laughs> All right, sorry about that interruption. Somebody's phone went off. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I had that shut off. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor. It sounds like the name you'd say, like, Robert, you know, with a very affectation. Um, yeah, he did Fritz the Cat, The Flintstone Kids, GoBots, which nobody loves, but for some reason I remember having a huge affection for because I could never afford Transformers. I did, too. <laughs> uh, Challenge of the Super Friends, and then he did the very last Aladdin movie, The King of Thieves. Did you ever watch that one? We just watched, we just discussed Aladdin uh, a few days ago. Not you and me, but me and Tony. Um, I, I never watched the third movie because the second one was so bad. Well, I, the third, uh, I think actually made up for the second one. <laughs> How bad the second one was. Yeah, I liked it. The second yeah. one was so much lower budget. It didn't have Robin Williams. And it just felt like a TV an extended TV episode. I just couldn't get into it. And I never got around to watching the third one. But I was told that it was a shame. I should go back and watch it. Yes. So for the most part, Disney still stuck to people who did animation as a living instead of like grabbing uh, a star or you know some name and throwing them into the cartoon, which started to be the trend in the early '90s. I mean, as much as I love Batman, I kind of blame it for that, you know, because they started casting names like left and right for all their characters. But for the most part, it's just like the classic guys. A lot of these I haven't heard of though: Ed Gilbert, R.J. Williams, Jana Michaels. But I know Jim Cummings, Tony Jay did a ton of voice work and live action. But here's one that's a recognizable name, Sally Struthers. That's the only one really? in here that's like a household name. Well, it was a household name. I don't think kids know who she is now. No. I think the last thing she did that was worth anything was like Gilmore Girls or something like that. Oh, that's right. I always remember so, her for those commercials, you know, trying to help. Well, there's that. That wasn't worth anything. <laughs> I know, the, the irony of her being very overweight and yes. talking about starving children. and the, I imagine the children that they're filming with are going, 
How did you? How is it possible that you're this big? I mean, I just. Not, uh-huh. I mean, not that you don't have the right to eat whatever you want. She probably donated a lot of money. I mean, hell, our services alone right. probably helped. But we were kind of like, that's a little odd. <laughs> when it comes down to, I mean, it's nothing against her doing what she did. I mean, everyone should step up, you know, but it kind of sends the wrong message. Yeah, it, it must have been <laughs> so, awkward for everybody involved. Like, why did we choose her again? Is she the only one that would agree? <laughs> really? No one else? All right. Yes. Oh, uh, well, anyway. Yeah. Well, this. so here's the thing. Is that all these episodes are insanely long? Um, when they're on YouTube by this one guy, I can't remember his name right now. It's like a Tailspin Tuber or something like that. So don't go to him. Go to the regular episodes. Uh, let me find the user or the uh, person who uploaded this one because these are the standard twenty-two episodes. It is by oh, just Tail Space Spin. Everybody else like clunks them up in hour and a half episodes. That and in the screen is so tiny. He, they frame them for some reason, like that's okay. <laughs> that makes it feel like a movie. Well, yeah, because I watch all my movies framed in a, a frame on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember watching this on uh, Happy's Place? This is, was it? Yeah, I, I probably did. I watched everything on Happy's Place. So. Yeah, I was gonna say if uh, nobody really knows probably what we're talking about. Back in the eighties, no. uh, it was pretty much the end cycle of the whole children's afternoon host or children's morning host they would clunk up all these cartoons together and then the wraparound segments would be by a host uh the most famous one probably being bozo the clown but we had happy the hobo because i was too poor for cable so i never got to watch bozo but uh happy the hobo he had a show i think from 1980 to about 95 and it spun off in the mornings with froggy's place you remember that one, right? Yes. Yeah, a really gravelly voice. How's it going? I mean, that sounds... Hey, Froggy. I don't know how he made that voice. But um, hey, hey. it must have been painful. <laughs> That's why he was in the morning. Yeah. It's the only time uh, they can make that voice. <laughs> I always wondered why Froggy wasn't just sitting there, like, wrapped in a bathrobe and coffee going, Oh, you're here again. Oh, my God. Seriously? Smoking a stogie. All right, oh. hold on. Let me go find a cartoon. Oh, that's not a cartoon. Oops, I got to put that away. <laughs> There's some Happy's Place on YouTube if anybody's interested yeah, in looking it up. Uh, he was absolutely magnificent. The very first Happy. Mike, uh, I can't, I'm tired right now. Sorry, I slept like way, way too much. Yes, the and first I, Happy, not the... <laughs> yeah, um, sadly, he died away, uh, passed away. Wow, I really am tired. The words aren't coming out right. right. He passed away about a year ago, and it yes. just it hit everybody hard who like grew up on him. He was, I was on his show when I was a kid. Um, I won won a contest and ended up on there. And I remember he wanted me to do the closing segment. And he goes, say, we'll be right back, babe. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm like, I'm fifth grade. I don't know how to handle it. I'm already scared enough that I'm on television. And I'm all like, where's the camera? He goes, right over there. I go, let me back, babe. I look like, I almost almost like Marty McFly. Get your damn hands off her, Biff. (laughs) Awesome. What was that part? Uh, I am your density. <laughs> I, was, I was like a five-year-old Marty, uh, not Marty McFly, George McFly. George McFly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember how nice he was to everybody, and I just really upset that. I think we're all upset when he left because we knew instantly that is not Happy the Hobo that we know. And there's like two great guy, personally a great guy, but he had a Facebook page set up prior to uh, his death. And I remember putting some artwork, artwork up for him, and he personally thanking me for it and talking. He he takes the time out and talks to everybody, you know. 
he's just a great philanthropist too. Yeah, well, what I heard, and this might be just a rumor, is that uh, Steve Shine, the owner of that channel, decided to cut back on the costs because the ratings were going down. And even uh-huh. though he loved being around the kids, he, he found that he was just making absolutely nothing. And plus, yeah. I think at the same time is when he developed those fortune cookies, those flavored yep. fortune cookies, which are still available. We should put a link up for that. I mean, you know what? I should try to see if we can interview someone from his family to tell the story. I want to know the story of Happy the Hobo. I think it's been about 35 years. We can celebrate the anniversary. I should look it up because he's the kind of thing that should live on. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the problem with stuff from the 70s and 80s is that it, people weren't really taping it or it was disposable. Yep. And it's very hard to find a lot of these episodes. In fact, I lost the episode that I had. Somewhere I have the copy my uncle had. Unfortunately, I think I'm... <laughs> yes, I was a gross little kid. I think I was mining for gold and whatever. <laughs> oh, man. That's it's awesome. Yeah, it, literally, if you just look up Happy the Hobo, it's Entertainer episode or episode Entertainer page. I really am having a rough time this morning. Literally, I slept 17 hours, so I'm almost a zombie. Um, yeah, look it up, because he's one of those guys that was so amazing. And uh, his show, Mike Fry, that's his name, Mike Fry. Yep. Um, to get back to the point... His show was the kind of thing that delivered cartoons that no one else had. You know, if it wasn't on Saturday morning cartoons, he had them. Almost everything that was syndicated, including Tailspin, DuckTales, you know, G.I. Joe, Transformers, stuff like that, they were on his show. I don't know if he personally chose them or they just had a deal that they got. I don't know how that works, you know, how you get shows for syndication. No. But, yeah, he was responsible for delivering all that great entertainment. Definitely. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. His Facebook page is still being kept up, it looks like. Yeah, his family, I think, is still working on it. Awesome. But yeah, anyway, kid, that's for another episode. Yeah, kids who missed out on this kind of thing, they never had like an afternoon host. Look it up. It was so It's so amazing. And no one really talks about it. Some people still hold horror hosts up. You know, they still have pages, and they still continue the tradition. But there's no children host, as far as I know. Have you no. ever seen one? Do your kids ever watch that? No. Uh, Sprout. I think the Sprout channel has... Um, Something similar to it, but it's nothing. It's for the younger kids, not. Well, like little little kids. The, yeah, like yeah little, Happy little the kids. Hobo is for like anybody from like five to fifteen. Yes. All right, so I think we yammered on a little long. You got things to do. I gotta go get some more sleep because apparently I'm trying to go into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's it for us here at Back in Tunes. All right. Good night. Hasta la vista. After these messages, we'll be right back. One thousand years ago, superstition and the sword ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of gargoyles. Stone by day, warriors by night. We were betrayed by the humans we had sworn to protect. Frozen in stone by a magic spell for a thousand years. Welcome, everybody, to Back in Tunes. 
This is going to be our month of Disney cartoons. We're doing Gargoyles. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host... Ron. And um, as you've heard, this is... Uh, <laughs> this is a little bit different for our show. We uh, we tend to do more kid-oriented stuff the last couple months. This one, we're going a little more, I would say, almost teenager. Like, that, that age group we're looking for. Um, it's still all family-friendly, but this one, it's a little more sophisticated. It's kind of like the ones we did over the summer where we're doing Transformers and G.I. Joe. And I have to say, when it comes to, like to action shows, I get a little more into it. Like, I love some of these cartoons, but this, the, when it comes to like the action-oriented cartoon shows, I really dig in. Mm-hmm. Were you were you big on the action ones as a kid? Oh yeah, because you usually talk about like the ones you'd watch with your sister, and I don't think she was too big on the action ones. Well, we always had a couple TVs in the house, so yeah. When My Little Pony would come up or something else, you're like, eh, I'm gonna go over this, you know, and check out what's on this TV. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, it's mom's room, but you know, yeah. Um, so Gargoyles is a difficult one for us because we had trouble finding any episode. Let me explain first. Um, usually what we do back in tunes, we don't suggest you go out and buy the DVD for a cartoon you've never seen. Um, so we try to find episodes for free online and, uh, Gargoyles is a rough one. We found one episode of all the video services in this country. We found our other countries. We found one episode. So usually we start at the very first episode and uh well it's kind of nice because the original series or the original pilot was an hour and a half and i'm sure no one wants to sit here for an hour and a half and talk about it so it's almost kismet that we found just one episode that was kind of random in the middle right all right so this one's up on youtube it's called mia missing in action it's episode 229 so we're kind of towards the end of the series and so if you go ahead and hit just hit play and we'll start talking about it So uh, I would say with cartoons, especially boys' cartoons, the whole fantasy sword and sorcery universe is something that's very strong in cartoons because I don't think movies could really convey on their tiny budgets, you know, this kind of imagery. I think the biggest ones are probably what Legend and Conan the Barbarian. Other than that, they're always really tiny budget movies. Right. But with cartoons, you're only limited by your imagination. So this is really kind of a thinking man's cartoon if you will one of them at least yeah it seems i i I don't remember a whole lot from watching this as a kid i think i only made it through the first season i don't actually i think it was only on for like a year and a half but i remember catching episodes here and there i wasn't like hardcore on it at the time and i remember like the stories being very emotional driven instead of just action or let's sell this toy kind of thing which is disney style they usually went more emotion than just let's just throw out some generic junk for people I found it funny. You look at the guy there, played by, uh, was it Frakes? Jonathan Frakes? William Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation? Well, let's talk he looks just now. like him on the cartoon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is this, I think he does. I this and Batman were one of the very first shows to go outside that little circle of voice actors. You know, there's always the yeah. same dedicated group of voice actors. They kind of went outside that realm and cast some actor. Like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People who had, like, a face presence, you know, on the screen. They were, like, doing supporting roles and lead roles in TV and movies. So, you know, not just because they were focused solely on their voice, they had a variety of different talents. Mark Hamill being one of the very first guys to be able to explore that world with a lot of success. Right. And, of course, Keith David. 
who's the lead in this, he was a character actor during the 80s. You know, he was in They Live, The Thing. Uh, he's in Pitch Black. Um, well, he does a lot of sci-fi, I just realized. <laughs> um, he was... This was his first prominent um, voice work, but then he would also go on to do Spawn. Keith David. What's... Keith David. Not to be cute, confused with David Keith. No. <laughs> who I have a dream, and it's dying as every year that they get a little bit older. I always want to see like a throwback to 70s exploitation movies and have the poster <laughs> say, Keith David, David Keith, and then have them call, they're like, like adopted brothers. You know, one's white, one's black. You know, they go after vengeance for the death of their mother. And it'll be called, like, dominoes. They're going to fall, you know. One's got a soap basement voice. The other one's got a... No, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has one of those recognizable voices. Yeah, he does a lot of games, too. But for the most part, I think people know him from this and Spawn. Which I've heard that Spawn right. is coming back. Awesome. They're, uh, With him? I believe they're bringing it back to HBO. Yeah, he's coming back, and it's going to be... The same kind of dark tone, much better than that movie. I did not like the uh, the live action movie. No, it was all about I don't know how many people who do. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize say that he's the narrator of the WWE Network now, huh? <laughs> I'm looking at this earlier. I'm like, this is like a Star Trek reunion with this show. Yeah, I wonder if uh, yeah. it had the same like presentation you know the company that represents them maybe they put together a package deal with their actors or right. someone here was just a big sci-fi fan they went around collecting all these voices that were uh, known for that that kind of genre right now there is one actor here who's not really known for sci-fi stuff he i only really know the sci-fi thing that he did was um the stand do you know who uh, i'm gonna say his name wrong bill faber fager back he was on Coach. You know, he's a big lunk on Coach. And then he was on um, The Stand. He was always like, M-O-O-N spells moon. Do you remember Big Blonde Guy? Big the uh, Oh. Isn't that Van Dyke? No, that's that's the older guy on Coach. We're talking the big guy. The, the one that was a former football player and he was uh, Craig T. Nelson's right-hand man. I'll look that up. Yeah. But he played Dauber. Whatever. He was on there for a right. ton of episodes. Right. And, um... You know, he did this, but he's also known for doing voice work for SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, I, the older guy. I got you now. And okay. He, he plays Patrick. Right, right. I don't know why I thought that was... Okay. I had my guys mixed up. <laughs> and, of course, Ed Asner, who... Right. Oh, man, it was everywhere, but you didn't really notice it. I mean, of course, everybody knows him from <laughs> uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show and yeah. uh, Lou Grant. But then he would go on to do a lot of voice works, which he still does today. And I believe Lou, uh, that uh, Ed Asner is about 170 years old. He's like the thing. He's uh, undefeatable. Watch, he'll die tomorrow, and I feel terrible for saying that. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah, but I remember uh, Ed Asner being a big part of Freakazoid. He was the captain that was helping Freakazoid in that movie, or that show. And, of course, Up. Up is probably his most famous role. Oh, that's right. Yep. Of course, Frank Welker, who seems to be in every cartoon that we ever discuss. This is crazy how... I think I think maybe it was required that every cartoon at least have him in as a, a sub-character. <laughs> I think it's, it's in his contract. He must be in every cartoon until he dies. It must be part of the union. Like, well, this guy here, yeah, he blackmailed all of us, so we're required. <laughs> um, so you're right. Uh, Kate Mulgrew, Jonathan Frakes, and Marina Sirtis. I don't know if Kate Mulgrew was on Star Trek yet. Hey. Oh, there's quite a bit in there, though. What's that? Keeps building up further. There's 
Cole Meany, LeVar Burton, a bunch of people made guest star character uh, appearances as well. Yeah, I really like Cole Meany. Uh, he was the bad guy in Pitch Black, the second one. Yes, yes. And uh, what's uh, Hell on Wheels I've been watching lately. Oh, I have not caught that at all. I, I watched like the very first episode. I didn't realize he was on there, so I'm going to have to catch up. Since it's been sitting in my I've, queue for a long time. I've only seen like half the first season, so. But. Yeah, you know what? Uh, she was not on. She was not in Star Trek yet when this was made. That's funny. What are the chances, you know, that it would end up like that? So it must be like the same representation. Because this started yeah. a year before Star Trek. And, uh. I was, and I was wrong. This was on for three years. I thought it was really on for a year, maybe a year and a half. And there's how many episodes? 278. No, no. Cartoons don't. Yeah, 78. I, wait, did you say 278 or 78? <laughs> I meant 78. I think it's funny. You said... There's some episode two hundred something, but <laughs> there's some cartoons that could be on for like ten years, and yet for some reason there's only like a hundred episodes. But if you look at shows like CSI, there's like oh we have three thousand episodes. We've only been on for eight years. And I think it's because <laughs> kids are more willing to watch the same cartoon over and over and over. I mean that exact episode, or yeah. they have short term memory and they don't realize they've already seen it. Whereas you can't really do that with live action shows. I remember, in fact, even as an adult, I sat through episodes of uh, Home Movies and Space Ghost and Adult Sw- or uh, C-Lab 2021 over and over again. Like, I would watch them like three or four times before I was like, yeah, I've had enough. Whereas now, right. I watch one show, I'm like, oh, I've watched- I don't need to watch this episode again. <laughs> so I'm looking... Uh, I missed the show. What's that? I said I really missed the show, or this kind of cartoon, you know, it just... Anyway, I don't I, I this makes me sound like a jerk, but I think a lot of the action boy oriented cartoons today are terribly animated. Bad CGI instead of hand drawn animation or the hand drawn animation is put overseas and it just doesn't have the same finesse. Right. I, I see a hand behind you. Wait, that would be my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say so, hi, Kayla. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> All right, so Greg Wiseman is the co-creator of this. Um, Greg Wiseman actually started off as a comic book writer very young when he was 22. He was supposed to relaunch the Green Arrow comic, but someone with much bigger pull, uh, Mike Grell, had another series in mind for Green Arrow, so his stuff was shelved. But the nice part is, with the power that he had from Gargoyles and the other shows that he would do, he would do the Spectacular Spider-Man shows on right now, which is really good, which is all on Netflix. Um he used that kind of power later to do a short animated, like like a 15-minute cartoon on one of the Batman, Superman movies. I think it was Apocalypse. If you watch it, it has a Green Arrow 15-minute short. I, and that was his comic. I've seen that, actually. Yeah? I, have not, I don't think I've seen it. I feel like I should have. So I wasn't really into that world of gargoyles that much. So I'm not sure what is going on. I thought it was only the gargoyles that were alive. Do you remember why? Is this kind of like their world? Like there's tons of animal, anamorphic beasts? Well, they were, um, oh, I can't remember the premise. Some reason or another, they were turned to stone or whatever and were in hibernation state or something along those lines for many, many, many years. And then somebody, I think it's Riker's character, uh, or Frank's character, excuse me, <laughs> uh, brought them back to life in modern day times. Okay. Uh, no, they, they turn to stone during the day. Thousand years petrified stay. The gargoyles are re- reawakened in modern day New York City. 
and take on the role of the city's secret nighttime protectors. Okay, that wasn't terrible. That doesn't tell me much at all. <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I didn't realize that there was a video game or a comic book of this. I remember playing a lot of the Disney cartoon games, but I don't remember this one at all. Don't recall the video game being all that great, but none of them really were. <laughs> I disagree with you on that one, but I do believe Duck, DuckTales and uh, Rescue Rangers were regular plays in my book. Maybe by the time this came out, the uh, Disney cartoons weren't of very high quality. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'd, there are certain games that are definitely playable, and I played them regardless because I'm pretty easily amused, but... <laughs> I would say uh, also the fact that uh, not just because it's in sword and sorcery times, it looks like they put a lot of work in the background. I mean, Disney never really skimped on their their um, network shows. Sometimes right. I, I, I get a little just uh, like some of the stuff they would syndicate because there's so many episodes all at once. They would kind of outsource it to cheaper companies. Those always look kind of uh, that one's good. That one's ugly. The, the, in general, the design work on their their network shows is really high. Yes. I wonder, like, the details they put in there when they didn't really need to. If you look back at a lot of the sword and sorcery shows in the 80s, a lot of them were set in the desert. A lot of them were set in, like, <laughs> barren uh, wastelands, you know, where they didn't really need a whole lot of background artists. It was, right. It was kind of just cheap and generic, and the action would be repeated. Sure. I mean, as much as I love He-Man, you know Filmation kind of went on the low end with their animation. Yeah. So with all the cartoons being turned into movies... Do you think that this will ever, like Disney will ever tap into their series and turn them into live action movies? Or at least yeah. at least bigger, you know, full length movies? Like this could be a, a, a CGI movie. I think I'd, I would love to see it happen, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Disney seems to be ignoring a lot of their 90s stuff. In fact, I don't even think this whole series is on DVD. I feel like they went like about halfway. I'm seeing season. Two, volume one, season two, volume two, and complete first season. That's all I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. Season two, volume two just got released last month. So I guess if you're looking uh, at it, maybe, maybe they're not done then. They should just put a whole complete series out instead of, I don't like it when they, they cut the seasons up. Like, right. Uh, like they do that with a lot of 60s and uh, 50s TV shows. Like, you'll go into, like, Fugitive Season 1, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. Like, can you, can you guys just collect it all up in one? Because I don't I want to <laughs> accidentally buy the same thing twice. Exactly. Especially that's Disney for you. Yeah. They can pull squeeze a few more cents out of you. Well, that's how they stay alive, is they, <laughs> yeah. they never had a huge catalog during the 80s, and they just kept taking stuff out of circulation and re-releasing in theaters, and now they do it on video, and they take it away. And it disappoints some people because they're like, I want to pick up Little Mermaid. Oh, it's been out of print for about six weeks now, and it's not coming back into print for another four years. <laughs> ah! And then someone goes to buy it like, on eBay or Amazon. They're charging like 70 bucks. How's that fair? That's <laughs> not. I, lo- I really it's like, like this episode just because of the fact that they added like, uh, like a World War II element to it. Mm-hmm. What year is this set in? 1948, I think it's said. No kidding. 44. Okay, I thought it was So whenever that was. <laughs> well, that, that's even cooler. That's that era where, like, in the late 80s, I would say probably from the remake of The Untouchables through Batman, Dick Tracy, Rocketeer, I think it kind of ended with The Phantom. That whole chunk of time, there's lots of stuff that was a throwback. 
to like cliffhangers and serials and you know like the like uh the shadow you know stuff in that era i yes. love the look and the design of that I, I i will find myself on a regular basis listening to the old radio plays yeah I, I love that and i read pulp novels so this is something really like clicks in in my brain like ooh, i like this and i don't remember a whole lot of cartoons being set in this time era like from the 20s to the 50s right i'm a big fan of that era myself but radio in general from that era is just when i was driving truck that's what i did to keep me awake music lulled me to sleep really? comedy yeah it's okay for a while but after a while you get tired of hearing the same old crass stuff over and over again but they had old-time radio shows on and that kept me awake and interested in uh life of riley things like that yeah i like the sci-fi ones you know like the buck rogers the um tales from beyond the shadow Dimension x oh yeah x, Did x. You, do you remember the superhero you know the superhero blue beetle right yes okay so there's been three iterations Maybe four iterations of the Blue Beetle. There's the current one that's in all the cartoons. Uh, you know, it's the Latino kid, I think Javier Hernandez or something like that. And then there before oh. that was Ted Cord, which is the one that I know from the 80s who was in the Justice League. And then there's right. the, there's I think there's the 60s version, but then there's the 40s version, which might be the same thing as the 60s version. And he was really, really popular for a very short period of time. And there was a radio show where they did like 17 episodes. And for some reason, the popularity just died off really fast, and they canceled the show. But they're really high production values. If you're a finalist, they're really rare. But uh, I'm sure there's somewhere online that they have them saved. You can just stream it. And that's the nice part. A lot of those radio shows are public domain. Yeah. And to bring it back around, a lot of our early voice actors in cartoons started off on these radio shows. Yep, yep. Orson Welles probably being the most famous person to come from radio shows, you know, War of the Worlds being something that nearly, ugh, was a catastrophe. Right. Uh, Mel Blanc started <laughs> off there, and uh, it'd be kind of cool if someone, every once in a while you hear about someone doing, like, a one-time only thing on, like, NPR or some radio station, they do a radio show. But it would be cool right. if if someone did a podcast where they did those kind of shows, but, like, of classic pulp novels or, like, short stories. Like, maybe take some right. of those old Robert... Uh, yeah, Heinlein or Robbie D. Howard stories, or maybe some Ray Bradbury. You know, some you know maybe like a twenty-minute radio show, just based on one of his short stories. But it must take a lot of work to create all those special effects, all those sound effects. Oh, uh, but it'd be so much fun. And it's funny is a lot of that stuff that went into those radio shows would be used in animation later because they need the voice actors. They would need those uh, sound effects. Mm. Some of those which were just created by the mouth. I, I was watching that documentary you were telling me about. Hey, I know that voice. And yeah. it's funny watching these guys create half of the the stuff with their their mouth. They just they don't need oh, yeah. they don't bring in some toy <laughs> or some gadget. They just do it themselves. But on that same token, you you sit and watch videos of some of these guys and what they do, stupid little things around your house that they use to make sound effects that are just insane. Yeah, you would have never even thought about it. Maybe. So I would love to have that job. Yeah, a foley artist too. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really do stuff for cartoons, but he does stuff for movies where you just have a guy walking on rocks. And he's getting galoshes. Well, this guy's about 250, so... All right, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to put gravel down, and then we're going to put, like, uh, plungers, and then put boots on the end of the plungers and just... Bronch, 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 <laughs> to make it sound like the right weight. Yeah. One of these days, I want to try my hand at it. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but... We should do a radio show. I can't do voices, though, so I, I need somebody else for that. 
You can do, <laughs> you can't do voices whatsoever. Most of my voices sound the same. They're, I you, can't differentiate them. <laughs> you, you used to do a really mean uh, a Marvin the Martian. Yeah, my freaking sinuses have wreaked havoc on that voice. <laughs> ah, damn. That's too bad. <laughs> Not yeah, to I mention wonder, my singing voice. <laughs> I wonder what it's like for voice artists because they constantly have to warm up their voice and practice and loosen it up and clear their sinuses. Don't eat foods that would give them acid reflux. You have to be very careful because... Uh, that's their main source of income, is their voice. Right. And they have to be very careful the way they talk. They can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to go drink a lot and start smoking. I wonder how many voice <laughs> actors in the 50s and 60s were smokers and then end up like just destroying uh-huh. for them later. Like, you listen to singers who do it, and you're like, you're crazy. Like, back in the 50s, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, smoking like crazy. And then you get to the right. 90s, and Frank Sinatra, not just because he was old, it was like, little girls with little... <laughs> not to the sexy moon. anymore, is he? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Cigarette? Where am I again? Damn. Oh, I forgot pants. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't mean to come out my slumberwear. Have you ever heard the comedian Dana Gould? David Gould? No, Dana Gould. Dana Gould, yes. Uh, he was a writer on The Simpsons. He's done some voice work, but he's mostly a stand-up comedian. And there's a right. very funny bit on his album, uh, Funhouse, where he does like Frank Sinatra right at the end of his career, where he doesn't even bother <laughs> to remember any of the words. And he's just kind of scatting through the whole thing. Uh, uh, and the boopsie boop de uh, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not really talking about the show anymore. <laughs> no, that's weird. It's, it's okay. Uh, you know what's funny <laughs> is, for the most part, I found that a lot of the episodes, we even though we've seen them a lot, we still find ourselves like just looking at Wikipedia, and anybody can look at Wikipedia. So we kind of just need yeah. to put our own spin on it. Right. You know, and the funny thing is, uh, after the show ended, of course, it has a loyal following. I know so many people that still talk about this show. And... Slave Labor Graphics was kind of a smaller label comic company. They're not one. Of, right. They're not one of the big three, or I don't even think they're even big, the big six. Is uh, they optioned the rights, and I'm sure they were pretty cheap at the time. Ten years later, you know, they, Disney probably didn't see a whole lot of profit in it. Is they licensed it out and they continued the storyline in that comic. So it's kind of cool that independent comics can do that. A lot of companies right. are made and. Uh, on just licensing out the right properties. Would Dark Horse be as strong as they are without Aliens vs. Predator or Star Wars? The Indiana Jones series? Of course, they lost all of those except Aliens vs. Predator, but <laughs> Marvel <laughs> Marvel just took them all back, which makes sense since uh-huh. Disney owns both. Alright, so that's the end of the episode. I guess. Awesome. Yeah, that was a good, nice, short one. Sometimes you feel like you're you're just dragging. The worst one being that I think we talked about this, but that um, the WrestleMania show, you know, the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling, that was one of those that was like 29 minutes long, and we were suffering by 15 minutes. We're like, I have nothing left to say. This is awful. This is truly one of the worst. Why did I ever? Because it was wrestlers. I mean, and that's what we were into. It didn't yeah. matter how bad it was. But, this is one that keeps yeah. your attention, though. There's nothing about it that you're like, oh, wrap this up already. Uh, sometimes I feel like the show should actually be longer. Because it's so much detail, but you never want to overstay your welcome, especially with kids who have short attention span. I said here, uh, I noticed this, I didn't realize this. That what I said earlier about it being a older guy's, a thinking man's cartoon, 
I think the more and more went into the production, you know, the, the drama, what have you, like Shakespearean themes and what have you, and World War II, and it just made you think more. Yeah. And, and I think this is kind of the change. Cartoons now are... They they split into two different parties. They're either for people with extremely short attention spans. It's, it's very like anime oriented, you know. Like the, a lot of the Batman, Spider Man cartoons about five years ago started switching over to like a, a new hyper stylized look, faster storylines. But they didn't really dig in emotionally. And then you have the other ones that kind of let you sit back and just get into the show. The problem is, is those are fewer and far between. This was like that perfect age. Batman, the animated series. Really okay. changed things. The look, the style, the production quality. And for you know anybody who's an animation fan, this was like a new wave. And so it was this. It was the Superman cartoon. Justice League, of course, was the first cartoon to really have arcs. Like the way a comic book would. So you'd sit through a three or four episode arc. And it would just be like finishing up a graphic novel. And yep. of course, Disney started changing from just being like the... You know, or kid friendly, like you know, aiming at six year olds, cutesy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and also not just be not just like the more sophisticated, darker tones. Um, they started becoming more irreverent. You know, Freakazoid, Bonkers, Animaniacs. They started changing the tone, not just in quality, but for people who knew animation, for who knew movies, they would have like these little slide references to stuff. The only problem mm-hmm. is that all became Family Guy. Family Guy and a show entirely made up of references where the plot doesn't even matter, which sucks. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Family Guy. The first couple of seasons were amusing, but then they became an institution. And all you saw was like every show trying to imitate that look and style, which is a bunch. old past. Yeah, I think this this era right here is the pinnacle of story, animation, art and patience. You know, you really want to sit in with the show. And, and I wish they had the entire series up on Netflix. That'd be cool. But for the most part, the series is available on DVD, easily to get in stores. Well, maybe not in stores. DVDs seem to be getting harder and harder to get in stores. <laughs> I would say probably Amazon, but they're evil. They're the devil. Um, <laughs> so just, I don't know. You can figure it out. I don't need a shot for you. All right. Anything well, else you want to uh, say about it? No, I, other than I'm probably going to go pick this up myself. Yeah, we, we, we tried to do this episode for a month now. We we're trying to find a better episode. Or, or at least more episodes to watch online, you know, to share with people. But I, this is it. This is the only episode we could find. 229. It's up on YouTube. Uh, I guess that's <laughs> it for me. That's it for me. All right. This is Michael signing off. Good night. Good day. Check this place out. Cool. Gargoyles don't have to wait till dark to come out anymore. Gargoyle shaped pasta from Franco American with the shapes of Goliath, Brooklyn, Bronx, and Broadway. And one monster of a taste. There's an adventure in every can of gargoyle shaped pasta from Franco American. Now you don't have to wait for the dark.
Welcome everybody to Retro Rocket Entertainment presents Back in Tunes. This week we're going to be discussing the Disney classic, Darkwing Duck. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host... This is Tony, otherwise known as Twan. And uh, so all month long we'll be doing Disney cartoons, most of them from the 90s. It's pretty much the whole revival of the animated series, you know, when Disney started focusing on the half hour instead of the shorts. And uh, at the same time they're reviving the movies. So this is like that perfect turn in their company where... I think Darkwing Duck is probably the best designed, well made. Um, the whole thing is just really entertaining, and I, I think a lot of people still hold this up, and it deserves to be held up as a cult status kind of cartoon. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is one of those ones where uh, Disney was going from the classic style of cartooning towards a more mature audience, going towards an adolescent and adult audience, especially with you know, superheroes coming in, Spider-Man doing really well on TV at the time, and various other superhero TV shows coming in full bloom. Yeah, and of course, it was heavily influenced by Art Deco, which was revived with the Batman movie in 1989. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, they even had that kind of, you know, in the uh, animated Batman series, which was also playing on this time as well. So before we get too far into our discussion here, we should probably just say um, the episodes are up on YouTube. We usually discuss the first episode. Actually, we discuss the whole series while we watch the first episode is what I should say. And uh, you'll find the complete series on YouTube. I would probably say just for the benefit of not feeling like a thief, watch maybe a few. If you really like it, you can always buy the series. Otherwise, just check it out. And Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely worth a buy, I assure you. All right, and here we go. Then hit play. Yeah, I love, uh, it's not just a play on Batman, it's kind of a play on all those 30s and 40s action heroes. I would say it's probably more influenced by the Shadow than Batman. Well, I think it's kind of fun, though, it's like, it's, like you said, it's not just Batman, it's Spider-Man, it's DC, Marvel, and even more fun is, yeah, the Shadow's in there, and you have, like, James Bond's elements, I mean, like, they're trying to pull in the full gamut for the new audience reading. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, there's influences from a lot of those pulp heroes. Yeah, Disney made sure, it's it's hard to say because while there's a heavy influence on the pulp genre, which was revived with Batman, Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, they also were smart enough to keep it contemporary by spoofing a lot of the stuff that was going on at that time, even being a spoof of uh, current superheroes, current cartoons, it was probably the most irreverent of all the Disney cartoons until I would say Bonkers, which Bonkers is like completely like one of those reference kind of cartoons. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Whereas this one, it had its own storylines. It kind of would have little tiny side points where they're referenced to something else. Whereas, you know, uh, Bonkers was almost completely like a connection to other pre-existing things. Yeah, I mean, Bonkers was kind of episodic, where this was kind of leaning towards every episode could stand alone, but there was a continual ongoing thing. Not to mention the fact that there were also crossovers from this and other TV shows, too, so that was kind of cool. You know, the one thing that surprises me, of the four or five series that Disney did before this, uh, Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, and I want to say Tailspin was right before this. Am I wrong? Um, I want to say so. I mean, uh... That was kind of one of the crossovers. People were talking about the fact that uh, Launchpad McQuack's plane was uh, the same plane that Baloo had on Tailspin. I don't okay. know if that's accurate or not. Yeah, I mean, I know that. I think he even makes a cameo in it, if I remember correctly. And it's kind of funny because Disney, by having those cameos, started that whole. It's kind of another way of you know creating another universe. The way uh, I think Warner Brothers is probably the first cartoon series to open a world 
you know, where every company or every cartoon that uh, Hanna-Barbera did, you know, was in the same thing when they did, what was it, Animal Olympics? Not La- Animal Oh, yeah. Laugh oh, yeah. Olympics. Yeah, Laugh Olympics, Wacky Races. I mean, they're all, you know, singular universe items. Yeah, and, and then they didn't really touch on that ever again until Disney started doing little touches here and there. Now it's normal for you to have this huge universe with tons of superheroes or tons of characters from the same creators. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, even even back in the day, like, you would never consider, you know, uh, like, Mickey Mouse and, uh, like, Donald Duck, you know, to be in the same screen time, screenplay ever. It wasn't until much later that you start fathoming the fact that, oh, hey, you know, maybe they're part of a singular entity. Yeah, it's funny is, I never batted an eye when, you know, how the Wonder Brothers characters, they would intermix. You know, they were, you know, like, Daffy Duck would show up in this, Bugs Bunny would show up in that, with Elmer Fudd, or, you know, just change out the villain. Yeah. And sometimes the heroes were the villain. Like, you know, when it yeah. came to Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck always became the villain. Yeah. Um, that was already... When I say, like, a multi-universe, you know where it's, like, self-contained worlds, but they can still intermix? You know how the way it is yeah. with, uh, Avengers? Iron Man has his adventures in L.A. You know, Captain yeah. America has his um, overseas. Stuff like that. They have their own stories, but then they're still in the same universe. Whereas yeah. Looney Tunes always just seem like they're interchangeable. They're always on the same exact world. Yeah. And Disney Disney never seemed like to play that game too much. I really didn't see a whole lot of cartoons with Goofy, Mickey, Donald. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. They always kind of kept to themselves. And, like, whenever they did do a crossover, it felt like one person going to someone else's world and then vice versa. It never felt like one world that existed at the same time yeah like you're a special guest like the way he-man suddenly showed up in she-ra's world yeah <laughs> and that was it just one episode yeah um back to Darkwing duck though uh, the one thing that weirds me out is <sighs> gummy bears was on a network and you could see that that you know there were smaller chunks like it'd be 13 episodes or 22 episodes and they're all produced in america and they're really high quality now, as much as people love Duck, uh, DuckTales and Rescue Rangers, those were syndicated, so a lot of those episodes were, were sent out to other companies. They weren't kept in-house. And sometimes you can see the quality isn't as good. Now, with Darkwing Duck, I'm pretty sure this was all done in-house. But I'm stunned at how many episodes they were able to knock out a season because usually with network cartoons, you don't have the time or money to do more than 22 or 24 episodes. And uh, from looking at this, they did 91 episodes in two years. Yeah. Now, they were, during that time period, I'm kind of surprised because, like, they were cranking out episodes like crazy. I mean, nowadays, you know, when we see 24 to 22 episodes of any cartoon series a year, we're like, okay, that's pretty normal. Like, they were cranking out 24 a season. Yeah, and it, it's, um, the one thing I was just surprised by is back then, there was this weird thing where they would, uh, front load, like maybe the first two seasons with a ton of episodes. And then maybe the seasons after that, they'd be much smaller orders. I mean, even Transformers, I think it was like sometimes six or, uh, episodes a season or 13. And they would constantly rerun the old ones, which would kind of screw up because the storylines in Transformers were pretty, you would have to watch them in order. You can't jump yeah. around. And, um... With Darkwing Duck, like you said, it had kind of a continuing storyline. You didn't have to see every episode. So I don't know if Disney did that, if they intermixed old episodes with new episodes, or they just, you know, just like shot them all straight and right in a row. But that's that's a lot of episodes without lack of quality. So they must have like some really, really good people and the money behind this. I always laugh at how obvious the uh, 
the parodies are on Marvel characters. Like we had the Tombstone character here, and then we just had the uh, what's called the uh, the Bison character, who's basically uh, Kingpin right there. I'm like, man, they're yeah. they're not even they're not even you know edging away from it. it's like no, it's them. It's clearly them. The funny thing is, Tombstone's kind of a, a cult character. I don't really think that he's been a major player in the Marvel universe. So it's weird that they would take no. the time to parody, uh, parody him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's he's commonly seen working for the Kingpin. So, I mean, yeah, seeing that Marvel parody, this is kind of like a giant foreshadow to Marvel, you know, being sold to Disney far down the road. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Tombstone actually was kind of a thing in the early 90s? Like when yeah. Spider-Man before the universes really took over with tons of, you know, tons of characters and tons of uh, different titles. Like, I think all back then it was Web of Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man was winding down, and then Amazing Spider-Man. And I, I say that as if it was like that. That's just a few titles. That was three. That was actually a lot back then. Yeah. yeah. But I remember they had to look for villains for each series, and I remember I think Web of Spider-Man was always kind of like the cult characters. Yeah. It, it wasn't like your A-listers like Hobgoblin and Venom. It was always guys yeah. like you know uh, what's the what's the guy that looks like a rat? He lives down in the down in the uh, dungeons. You know, down the oh. tunnels. Um. Oh, geez, yeah, I can't think of him at the moment, but he's, he's definitely one of those D-listers. Yeah, and it was like Tombstone and Carrion. I think the best they ever had was Chameleon, and he wasn't really an A-lister. He was just one of the early villains. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's, it's even funnier, though, because there's a Chameleon character in the Darkwing Duck series that pops up later on, and it's like, yeah, you know, like, they just they covered all their bases. They wanted to make sure that they uh, had Marvel, DC, you know, everybody in here, just because, like, you know, kids ate it up, and there was no... There is no border between one or the other. They could have whatever they want as long as they parodied it. Yeah. It's easier to parody a genre than a specific character. Yeah. And, you know, to the to the more, like, adolescent kids growing up, you know, this is kind of basically Batman slash James Bond against the world. So it was kind of cool seeing that aspect of a character going against all these things without having any legal paperwork to, you know, bind it in between. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I think this was originally supposed to be a parody of James Bond. And then someone d- decided, you know, maybe we should rethink this concept a little bit, make him a little more human. And, you know, they give him the alter ego, but when he's at home, he's a, he's kind of like a family guy. Not not like the cartoon family guy, I mean like a family man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes it a lot more touching seeing the balance between the outrageous superhero and the, the guy who's kind of a homebody. Whereas if he was going to be James Bond, it's it's a little harder to connect to James Bond because he's, he, he's um, emotionally unavailable. Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, and, uh, you know, here comes uh, Launchpad McQuack, the crossover that no one really understood why or what, how, but... <laughs> well, I think it was DuckTales that it ended, and he's the one character that had kind of a cult following. I mean, he was my favorite part of DuckTales. Yeah. Uh, like, at the time, I was a kid, so I was more of a Gizmoduck fan, which he appears later on in the series, but Launchpad was another, you know, well-loved character. Oh, okay, so I guess, uh, yeah, it says right here, uh, there was an episode of DuckTales called Double O Duck, where Launchpad McQuack starred as a secret agent. And, uh, what is, you said Gizmo Duck? Gizmo Duck, yeah. We created a page with Gizmo Duck, a character from the final season of DuckTales as a sidekick. I must have not have finished DuckTales because I don't remember Gizmo Duck. What was he? Yeah, um, Gizmo Duck was uh, kind of an experiment that uh, the scientist Duck was doing and got accidentally uh, tripped up by a random, uh, how was his name? Quentin, Quentin Quack, I think was his name. But uh, he had set a passcode to this suit of, you know, ultra power type of deal and resulted in him becoming a superhero type character before Darkwing Duck came around. 
And so he was this mild-mannered guy living in a trailer park that accidentally got this super suit. And uh, he later on pops up into this series here as, you know, the professional superhero looking down on this Batman-like character. <laughs> so it was kind of fun to see. And it says that Alan Burnett, the man who go behind, you know, the creation of Batman the Animated Series, was yeah. originally assigned this project, and he contributed the name Darkwing Duck, but he soon left uh, to go work on the Batman series. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine what they would have called it if it wasn't Darkwing Duck. The, you know, Dark of yeah. the Night, the, the, dark, the Duck Knight. Yeah, or something. <laughs> is, that, is that a Chris Nolan one there? <laughs> <laughs> the Duck Knight Rises. Well, I give a whole new uh, angle on the whole Bane thing. Yeah. So I'm just noticing for the first time that the vulture is literally a vulture, and I'm just laughing a little bit inside. Oh, because of the sp- another Spider-Man reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's even even going back watching it again. This this is still like a fun series and something that you know, like if I had kids, I'd have them watch. Oh yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I would. I think I would like it if it was a little more, um, a little more mature, like a darker tone, since they are attempting yeah. like the pulp heroes. But at the same time, it's an easy way to show a six-year-old, you know, hey, these are pulp heroes. I mean, or this is kind of like an homage to pulp heroes. If you like this, then maybe you'll try, you know, the Phantom or the Shadow or something like that. Yeah. It's it's a good way to get them introduced into a type of character archetype that they can. See later on, you know, like uh, there's a villain called Steel Beak who's just a rooster with a steel beak. I was like, yeah, you know, that's that's a James Bond villain. I mean, it's pretty much there, but you know, it's it's fun seeing the opposite of it, seeing a kid see that, and then you know, thinking back to Darkwing Duck, going, oh hey, you know, this happened when I was a kid. You know, it's funny is there's also a Spider-Man villain who has like a metal plate. That's his powers. He has a metal plate in his head. Like a big, like, it's like, I mean, not like under the skin, but like over his head. I think his name is Ramrod. He was only in like one or two issues. And literally he just runs into things really fast. Now I know you have a metal plate on your head, but you don't have a metal plate protecting your neck. So yeah, your skull will take the impact, but your neck will break. And it never made any sense. Yeah, see, like that goes towards like the, how far you will disbelieve certain things, you know? Which which makes it open to parody and spoofing with, you know, Darkwing Duck just had a whole field to play with. And I don't oh, recall yeah. a whole lot of, well, maybe the Mighty Mouse series from 88, you know, yeah. the one that uh, Ralph Bakshi produced and John John yeah. Kay did. That one was probably the first to really spoof the whole super, uh, modern superhero genre. Yeah. So maybe they were first to play, but this is more successful by a long shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Like, it was because of this series that I went backwards and saw other things, too, that I probably would never watch. Like, uh, I really enjoyed Secret Squirrel, which nobody watched at oh, you know, yeah. my age. That, and, like, that was forgotten. a fun series. Yeah, uh, Hong Kong Fooey, you know? He was yeah. kind of a play on superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Captain Caveman. Oh, man. Which has got to be the most absurd of all the superhero-type stories, because we're supposed to believe, you know, that he's just... Well, didn't he work <laughs> in an office or something? Or something, yeah. And then he would just like take off his glasses and you know whip out that uh, the little uh, club and become <laughs> Captain Caveman. What you know later becoming Caveman and Son. By the way, what's up with Wilma and uh, Betty working with him in the office? Yeah, yeah, that's another situation to where it's like, how how far are you willing to suspend your disbelief? You know, <laughs> was that set in modern age, Captain Caveman? Or was that set? I can't. 
remember. No, it was it was back with the Flintstones. It was okay because see, I was about to question. I was like, did they get transported in time? Was it a Jetsons thing? And that's how it yeah. existed. I haven't seen Captain Caveman probably since it aired. You know, thirty yeah. something years ago. Oh man, I, I, I try to forget about the Jetsons meeting the Flintstones sometimes. <laughs> You know, like, they wanted you to believe that they went back in time, but really, they're probably just up in the sky and just came down, and that's what they saw down there. Yeah, you know, I, who knows? It could have been an alternate universe, too. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, uh, Jim Cummings, I was watching this documentary on Netflix called Hey, I Know That Voice. Have you seen yeah. that one? I have not, no. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half. It's uh, called Hey, I Know That Voice, and it's all about voice actors. You know, like, their origins, you know, how Mel Blanc became a superstar, and, yeah. you know, the people who came up after him. And Jim Cummings is actually a big part of that movie. And just watching him jump into every single character. And the sad part is, I think he I think he skipped doing Darkwing Duck, which I think most people know him for, which is kind of disappointing. Oh. oh he, I always love the random interjection of the uh, child character so the kids can have somebody to latch on to. Yeah, um, most of the shows always has, if it wasn't a little kid, it was always like a little robot or, okay, yeah. so you remember the Fantastic Four series where they couldn't have, yeah, yeah, you Herbie, know, yeah. Torch, they threw in Herbie, and, um, you know, they had, uh, man, I'm getting kind of foggy on some of these memories. Who was the one, uh, the wizard in, uh, He-Man? Oh, God. Star I, the, I oh. Yeah, I'm more specialized in more recent stuff, like, you know, Jade from Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh, okay. no, right, yeah, totally necessary. You know, a little Asian kid in the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely that. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a lot of those shows, they had an unnecessary kid. And he always had, like, either wise-ass remarks or was so cutesy that was irritating. Like, why was there a little kid in the Mr. T cartoon? They should have made that a full-on action show. That's like giving Rambo a little kid. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Hey, you, you want some <laughs> cereal for breakfast? Hey. <laughs> hey, yo, kid. I got a lesson for you. Don't, don't, don't be like me. All right. Don't, don't be killing people. Yeah. I mean, put, make sure you clean that rocket launcher first before you put right. it away. Be responsible. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine that, but like at the same time, I could totally imagine that too. It's like, all right, now earmuffs, put on your earmuffs. It's going to be kind of bad. Close your eyes. Well, they did that to Robocop in the movies. They gave him a little yeah. kid, which you're like, oh man, as if it wasn't bad enough with last action hero. At least it made sense with last action hero. Yeah. But Robocop yeah. 3, it's like, oh, you guys are just trying to get whatever little audience is still watching these movies by throwing a little kid in. That was like a 90s trend. Either throw in, like, okay, so if it wasn't a little kid, it, they would throw in, like, an ethnic goofy guy. Yeah. yeah. Remember Scorpion I, King? Scorpion King, oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, Grant Hesloff is a good actor and a great director, but, man, you could tell that they were just like, we need to find, like, a little corner niche here. Let's just get some, you know... Uh, goofy guy, and I don't know. It was kind of like the Rob Schneider disease. The Judge Dredd yeah. did not need Rob Schneider. What? What are you talking? No, no. See, I, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. There. I mean, if they're going to have Sylvester Stallone as Judge Dredd, it's like they've already gone too far. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. I it's didn't not know... like the Carl Urban one. If they had thrown Rob Schneider at Carl Urban, I'd be like, no, nah, y'all don't even know what you're doing. But. <laughs> You know, the moment he had uh, Stallone in for Dredd, yeah, we all knew which way it was going. Daddy wouldn't wear the helmet. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know this, but Darkwing Duck's motorcycle is inspired by Judge Dredge's, uh, you know, his vehicle. Did yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, once again, like, they're just grabbing from whatever they could, everything that they could. Yeah, and the funny thing is, they grabbed a reference that wasn't even popular in America. You know, that uh, Judge Dredd was a very small niche audience in America. Even after the movie, you know, he wasn't that big. He's never really been a huge thing, so it's kind of like, 
either they were trying to gear towards you know the European audience, or sure. they were just like, let's find this weird reference to play out. Well, I mean, like the Tick was doing really well in America. That's Ben Edlund, so I mean, it was worth a shot to throw in there. You know, and once again, they're trying to grab whatever base they could at the time. So if they could grab the older base and younger base and whatever they could, dude, we got to do the Tick. Oh yeah, we have to totally do the tick. have to do the Tick. That's one I watched. I noticed that I started to move away from cartoons like this. I remember watching like the first season of Darkwing Duck, but after that, I started moving into like X Men and Spider Man. Yeah. And then that's when like the you know Beavis and Butthead and the Tick, you know, yeah. more like um, reference or irreverent style cartoons, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons. Yeah. Actually, Tiny Toons was probably the same time as this, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think Tiny Toons come off around the same time, and same thing with Animaniacs, too, which, like, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, and The Tick were some of the few cartoons that were still, like, flat-out super childish that I, you know, really enjoyed and didn't mind at all, when, like, everything else at the time had, like, a solid storyline, had an A through Z directional... You know, the tick was kind of like, well, this is just going on. This is how it is. We're just doing whatever today. And, of course, there was like, kind of like the growth of, like, cable cartoons. Duckman. Speaking of ducks. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Duckman? You know, that Duck was Man. that oh, was that steered was directly to adults. There was the critic. Oh, yeah. uh, there was uh, Dr. Katz. <laughs> you know, those are very low-budget but very um, cerebral cartoons. You know, they were Ooh. aiming for a very particular kind. Like, the comic, the comedy nerds is what they were aiming for. You know, and, and I started moving towards that. So the Disney cartoons and the Warner Brothers cartoons started to kind of, you know, set back a little bit. I mean, I've always thought, even to this day, the Looney Tunes cartoons were more sophisticated when it came to the humor. Mm-hmm. Disney agree, yeah. cartoons, with the exception of this and Bonkers, seem to be directly aimed at kids. Now, the storylines themselves might be dense, but the punchlines, the complications, or whatever, weren't that heavy. Am I wrong? No, no, I agree with you. I mean, like, I, I like to compare, like, classic Looney Tunes with, like, classic comedians. They didn't need topical punchlines. They had just solid bits and solid things, and, you know, they didn't have to do little jabs at things. They just, they had their own, you know, motif, and they were all really good in their own, you know, extent. Yeah, and some of those comedians, I, I think that old style was like a setup punchline, setup punchline. You didn't really spend time with them. I think Richard Pryor changed that. You know, he got much more personal. And, yeah. his, and his stories were about himself, not whatever was going on in the world. But George Carlin, he went darker and, um, you know, he was more political and stuff like that. But yeah. I can see where, you know, like, just like cartoons, you don't need to go those angles. There's so many different audiences. And, and, you know, at that time, the primary audience for cartoons were little children. I mean, that's why Saturday morning cartoons existed. Saturday mornings, yeah. grownups want to sleep in. <laughs> or they have chores they have to catch up on. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at the example of the to be continued at the end of this episode. I mean, like that was unheard of of cartoons back in the day. Like, how how would a child have enough attention span to watch an episode twice, you know, in a in a row on two different days, if not two different weeks? Right. The only time I that I ever saw that before is when they would take a movie, like they took the Transformers movie and they took the um the GI Joe movie, and then they would cut yeah. it up. Yeah. That's not the same though. This was specifically like. Stay tuned next week. Same dark time, same dark yeah, channel. Yeah, you know, uh, which was a lot more common with like your TV dramas and what have you. But in cartoons, I mean, twelve, fifteen minutes—all you need. Heck, they split up cartoons into two, you know, blocks in the same half-hour, you know, period. That's pretty normal now. With like, I know Justice League was one of the first cartoons where that was consistent through their entire series. Yeah, where yeah. it would just be you know, um, you know, one per. 
But, you know, um, I, I kind of like the fact that you have to continue every week. It kind of reminded me of the old Batman TV show, you know, where yeah. they'd be have back-to-back episodes. You wouldn't have to stick around for four or five, but, you know, just one more. Yeah. I mean, like, like they, they tried doing it in the old uh, Rocky Raccoon cartoons, and even then, like, they'd, you know, it would be stay tuned five minutes later when we come back to it again. Not oh, that's right. Not until next week. That was a way to keep you around for the whole episode while you saw the other shorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should do that one too. I really love that whole Jay Ward world. You know, there's so many oh, cartoons yeah, no. to even talk about in one episode. Right. Um, did you ever play the Darkwing Duck games? I I did not. Um, I really was broke at the time, and so I didn't really have the availability to play a lot of the games during the time. I really wanted to. I mean, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, all those. You know, the funny thing is, you go back when you use um those emulators, and you think they're going to be great games because your memories are fond of them, and then you go back going. Uh, yeah, this is a game of that moment. Yeah. I mean, Darkwing Duck, you know, I can't believe that they were on the TurboGrafx-16. There's so many games that were released on that TurboGrafx-16, but <laughs> did you know anybody who ever owned one? I've never met anybody. I, I knew one person in California, and I think he also owned a Neo Geo, too, which was you know, even more surprising. Holy moly, the Neo Geo, that was that one that you had to, like, chuck out $500 for. Yeah. Yikes. Well, I guess that's it for our show. I was surprised that it went by so fast. Usually we're kind of dragging it halfway through, but that was a full episode. <laughs> so the cartoon series um, ended in 92 after 91 episodes, but Boom Studios, which is a comic book label, uh, they did continue the storylines for a short while. If you want to ever pick up those, you can probably find them on eBay or some comic book company. And I guess that's about it. I really don't have a whole lot more to say. Oh, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us here. Thank you for sticking through. This is our last episode of Disney Month. And then I think next month we're going to do a couple holiday ones. But after that, we're just going to hit, like, whatever we want. I think sticking <laughs> to the format's a little rough. If anybody has any suggestions for cartoons they want us to cover, we will consider it. Uh, just send it to RetroRocketEntertainment at uh, .weebly.com. Or uh, actually, Facebook's probably better. RetroRocketEntertainment on Facebook. Just send us a message what cartoons you're interested in us watching. And uh, we'll check it out. That's right, it for me. Fun. Did you say goodbye? I missed it. What? I did. Okay. Bye, thanks. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We're the Kids Club Kids. We just want to have fun. The Kids Club Kids do a speed case number one. The Burger King Kids Club. Very cool to be a kid. Burger King has fun treasures for you. I'm sure I'll bury the treasure around here. It's your favorite Disney characters like Goofy, Darkwing Duck, and Bonkers on cool beach toys. You can collect all five one in every kid's meal only at Burger King. Gorge, maybe I grabbed the wrong map. The Burger King Kids Club is a cool place.